part self-help, uh, part uh, insomnia cure, part like desire to, uh, to push myself into something new musically and creatively. It's time for Backstage Chats with Women in Music, where the stories and voices of female music makers inspire women like you to be dreamers, to be rule breakers, and to unleash your inner rock star. Podcasting from Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world, here's your host, Thea Wood. Born and raised in San Francisco Bay Area, Holly Bowling started playing piano at just age five. She captivates audiences with her solo tours, as well as her latest tour with the band Ghostlight, in support of their record, Best Kept Secrets. In this episode, you'll hear the unconventional approach Ghostlight took to recording the album, what it was like to play with two of her musical idols, the late-night musical meditations that she has recorded, which I think are her best-kept musical secret, and the most influential woman in her musical career. Visit our show notes page at backstagechats.com slash holly dash bowling for her music, social media links, tour dates, and video clips. Now, let's start the chat. And welcome to another episode of Backstage Chats with Women in Music. I am your host, Thea Wood, and I am podcasting for you live, well, kind of, sort of, pre-recorded live, from Anton's Nightclub in downtown Austin. And I'm super excited because today we are here with a special guest who is a classically trained pianist. She's probably the biggest fish head I've ever met. I don't know. That could be debated, but I'm pretty sure. And she's currently with the band Ghostlight as their keyboardist slash pianist. And uh, we would like to welcome the lovely Miss Holly Bowling. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me on. Oh, we are thrilled. And, you know, and I have to say to the audience before we get into the actual conversation of the questions and whatnot, uh, you know, this all came together very quickly, and it was because of a mutual friend, Karina Reichman. Karina! (laughs) (laughs) I actually had an interview with her, or should I say a backstage chat with her, last, uh, was it Friday, Friday, at uh, the Hogs for the Cause Festival down in New Orleans, and we were talking about camaraderie between women on the road, and your name came up as somebody, she's like, well, I just consider Holly Bowling a friend. I mean, we get along great. <laughs> I adore Karina. Um, the first time I actually ran into her, uh, we were at a festival that we were both on, and we hit it off instantly. And I was like, Marco, where have you been hiding her? Like, have you been keeping her from me? What's the deal here? <laughs> exactly. I mean, she's just, she's delightful. She's like a ray of sunshine, isn't she? She's great. She's a force to be reckoned with. Oh, I like that. She is. And um, what Karina started off with us, as you will do, and all of our special guests do, is we go through what we call the shakedown. And these are six questions that we ask of everyone that just lets our audience know a little bit more about you, some fun facts that they can take home. And uh, we'll just start with that. Does that sound good? Sounds like a plan. Excellent. Okay. Ready for the shakedown. Who was your first concert? So my first real, like, rock and roll concert was Little Feet when I was maybe seven, I want to say. My dad took, uh, my mom and dad took me and my little brother uh, to a show, and I think we were maybe 10th row, and I'm pretty sure my little brother fell asleep in the front, (laughs) in his seat. Um, But yeah, I just remember being blown away by the experience. It was not Little Feet, like, full original lineup. Lowell George was obviously not with them at that point, Um, but it was still just, like, 
never experienced that insane experience of you know that much sound and light and everything coming from the stage and everyone in it together and really focused on the, the same outpouring coming from one direction. The energy. Yeah, exactly. Okay, next question. What was the first album you bought with your own money? So this question, uh, this question scares me because I don't actually remember, which is uh, mildly terrifying for me. Like, I feel like I just lost a piece of my youth or something. But honest to God, I don't remember. I think my, my parents or brother could probably tell you because I'm sure I, I'm sure I tortured them with whatever it was relentlessly. Right. Well, uh, probably, and that's how it goes. But all right, so let's replace it with, do you remember what your first favorite album was? I don't know. Yeah, my musical taste growing up was weird because, like, part of it was mine and, and my, my parents' music taste was hip enough that a lot of theirs merged with mine. And, uh, and you know, they were, like, parallel things for a long time. Like, I remember hearing uh, a bunch of stuff coming out of Seattle when I was way too young to have discovered that music, but my, my dad was listening to stuff. So, um, you know, he like, he brought me up listening to The Dead and, and Little Feet and stuff like that, and he's really into, like, I don't know, John Hyatt and, and all kinds of stuff, but he also was listening to a ton of Pearl Jam and stuff like that. And so that's all kind of like woven in there in the beginning. You know, whether it was his or mine, it's like, eh. <laughs> all under the same roof, you know? It's a, it's a lovely collaboration. Okay, next question. Which artist or band is in heavy rotation on your Spotify or your Deezer or whatever device or app you use to listen to your music? I have been on a huge kick with The National lately just playing playing their albums into the ground. Fantastic. <laughs> Easy enough. Uh, which woman has had the most influence on your career? I got to say, I got to say my mom. Um, I would not be here without her, and I, I don't mean uh, the fact that she brought me into this world, but she, um, she sat with me every single day when I was a kid learning to play the piano. And um, I don't know if you have kids or have, spent time with a kid learning to play a musical instrument, but uh, it's pretty, pretty brutal <laughs> in the early stages. Um, and I was also a, a pretty difficult child at times. So, and you know, she, she just every single day sat with me right next to me while I, while I played and, and helped me learn the instrument. And she did this from the time I was in kindergarten uh, in, until, you know, until I could start taking it on as my own thing. Um, and that's a, a pretty serious commitment, so I, I owe her a lot. Well, as I always say, thank you, Mom. Okay, next question in the shakedown. If you could have dinner with any woman, dead or alive, who would it be? So I got to say uh, one that is yet unnamed. I, 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 don't, I would assume that, I would hope that they are alive currently. Uh, maybe they are dead in the sense that they haven't been born yet, but uh, whoever the first female president ends up being, that's who I would like to sit down with. I feel like women in music have a, uh, a a tough road at times, certainly easier now than it used to be. Uh, but man, women in politics, that's a, that's a heavy one too. Absolutely. And I would love to join you for that dinner. If that's okay. <laughs> and the last question, what is one life goal you'd like to accomplish before climbing the golden stairway to heaven? I like that you've assumed that's where I'll end up. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I've always wanted to do this. It's pretty uh, pretty improbable, but I want to play on like a, a grand piano that's floating on something in a body of water. Oh, I like that. I, I just have this vision. I think it could be really, really cool. 
It can be done. We just have to figure it out, right? I mean, it'll wreck the piano, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could be anything from like a summer day on the ocean to like, you know, out. I think someone did this. I think I saw a thing that like a person got to play a piano out in the like ice fields, you know, down by like Antarctica kind of vibe. And uh, that to me just seems incredible. Like if you, if you can play the things around you in a setting like that mm-hmm. while on the water, it's just so fun. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Well, and, and a unique one, I may not hear that one again. I'm, I'm pretty bet. I'm pretty much betting that we'll never hear something like that again. That's a good one. <laughs> it's a funny thing too because a lot of uh, a lot of instruments are very portable and people can take them around and busk or play outside or, or whatever they want. The piano's not quite so. Uh, yeah, so that just makes it that much more appealing, you know. Yes, I like <laughs> it. I like it. So if hey, if we're gonna dream, dream big, right? There you go. That's right. <laughs> so next, we're gonna talk a little bit about the bands that you're here with tonight, that you're going to perform at tonight, Ghost Light. Mm-hmm. And um, y- y'all just came out with a new album called Best Kept Secrets. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to start off with knowing how you first connected with Tom Hamilton and Raina Mullen. So they used to be in a band together called American Babies. And we were crossing paths um, at gigs and festivals and stuff. And um, I sat in with uh, that band a few times, and we just really hit it off musically. Um, and, yeah, that was that was kind of the beginning of it. And as that band kind of started to, to wind down, um, Tom hit me up and was like, would you want to would you want to play? You know, should we, should we do something? And I was super into the idea. Every time we played together, it had been a pretty immediate connection. So, mm-hmm. And so then when we fast forward a little bit and look at Best Kept Secrets, I know that the inception of it was very unconventional. Acid was involved, and there were session, multiple sessions that happened with uh, Tom and Rena, and then the rest of the band came in and started collaborating. What else? And also, for the recording, it happened, I believe, in a factory, and it just sounds very unconventional. How how did all of this work for you? And, and did you feel like you needed to adapt? Or what was surprising? I mean, the most unconventional thing about the whole process, I think, is that we... So the band doesn't all live in Philadelphia. At the time, uh, let's see, Tom and Raina and Scott, our drummer, were living in Philadelphia. And our bassist at the time, Steve, was in L.A. And I was in San Francisco. So the, the songwriting sessions you mentioned... Uh, with Tom and Raina, that was that was their thing, and, um, and Scott would come over sometimes, and they would workshop stuff. But the first time that all five of us were together in the same room as a band, actually playing music together, was the recording sessions. And it's not like it's a old factory that we just like you know brought a bunch of mics in there. It's a it's a recording studio that's in a that that's the history of the building. But we all walked into the studio together and set up in a circle and just started rolling tape from from the beginning. So we were, you know, learning the material. We were learning each other as musicians. We were, we were, you know, probing into all of these things and, and figuring out what the shape of this thing was going to be while everything was being recorded. And those sessions are what became this album. So it's a very uh, inverse way of how a lot of things happen, right? Like usually you form the band, you go out, you play a bunch of gigs, you put together a record, and this was completely different. We captured the very beginning seeds of this, this band, and what do you feel, was there an advantage to that? Was there something that you felt that it brought to the table that, that other people don't have, don't have or haven't had? I mean, I think the most, the, the most interesting thing for me about it is that the songs as they are captured on the record and the songs as we convey them live and what that whole experience is are very different things. 
you know, and we made the record before we took the songs out live and kind of saw like, what kind of animal is this going to grow into, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, it's cool to me that they're, you know, they're a little bit more separate from each other than they might've been if we had taken all the tunes out on the road first and then brought them into the studio to record. Just recently, you spoke of bass player Steve Lyons. Uh, he just recently left the band, and he was replaced by Dan Africano. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, there's an adjustment that needs to be made. And how do you do that? How does how does a band make an adjustment like that? Well, thankfully, it didn't happen in the middle of tour. This is something that happened um, during the months that we had off in between our last show and and when the album release happened and the tour supporting it began. You know, the 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 thing that makes it the easiest is that Dan is an absolute beast and a fantastic human being and was able to learn an insane amount of material in a very quick period of time. Um, also, the way that Ghostlight plays, we don't sit down and make a set list for the night that's each song in order and then play the song and finish the song and then move on to the next one. We work from a call sheet um, and we also tend to like start a song and then we'll finish it later in the show or we'll, we'll tease the theme of a song but never go into it. Um, and so it's this, you know, collage that's constantly shifting and there's a ton of on-the-spot decisions, uh, you know, and, and audibles being called constantly. So to walk into that sort of gig on your first day, uh, you know, it takes a very special kind of musician and Dan has been absolutely crushing it. So we're super excited about that. Um, the other thing I would say is like what, you know, what makes that work from our end? How do you do it? I think that there's uh, an important thing where you can't ask a new person to be who the old person was, you know, Um, everyone's going to bring a different thing to the table. Everyone has their own voice. And I think that Dan has brought some super interesting stuff to the band and and super different stuff than what Steve brought. And I, you know, I love them both as players. They're both fantastic musicians. And I've had a shitload of fun playing with both those guys. Um, But, you know, this is where we are now. And I'm pretty excited about it personally. (laughs) Well, it sounds like a lot of people are. And speaking of touring, uh, I think you're about halfway through your tour right now, aren't you? I think we're getting there. I'm not sure we're quite at the halfway point. (laughs) Now, a little birdie told me that your husband had been touring with you. Is he, Jeffrey is his name, and is he still touring? So Jeffrey tours with me when I'm doing solo piano shows. Um, He comes out on the road. We have a whole light show uh, that's projection mapped and stuff that reacts to what I'm doing that he runs. So he is at every single show I do uh, when it's just me and the piano up there. For Ghostlight, um, he does uh, a lot of archiving of our shows and stuff like that and sometimes shoots photos and things. So he'll come out for a run of shows at a time, but he's not on the road full time with us. Right. That's got to be kind of hard. I think uh, it's really the other way. Most people don't get to be on the road with their significant other. So the fact that I get to do that half the time is really a gift. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you talked a little bit about your solo work. And um, I came across, I think it was on SoundCloud, these amazing late night meditations. And I really wanted to ask you about it because they're about 10 to 12 minutes long, I think, at least the ones that I listened to. And... um, Actually, last night I listened to one before bed, and it was lovely. And I just wanted to get a little background information on those meditations and what they're about and what they meant for you. I'm so glad you asked about that, as well as extremely surprised, because those are kind of like a little hidden a little hidden thing in a back corner that like I didn't really publicize and haven't really put out there, but they're out there for anyone that wants to look for them. Um, I recorded those... 
don't know when I started doing them, but I, I was feeling like I was getting into this space when I was sitting down with my piano at home and just playing, you know, with a blank slate um, and letting things flow that I was having a hard time finding that same creative flow on stage. And so I thought about how to get past that and decided that, I mean, part of this stems from the fact that I'm, I'm a relentless self-critic. And so I'll, I'll do things and like nothing's good enough to put out there. So my, my goal here was just sit down, hit record, and whatever happens, happens. There's no editing. There's no nothing. Some of it's going to be total shit. And some of it's hopefully going to be something that's really new and different or, or really beautiful or joyful or whatever emotion it is. Um, so hit record no editing, uh, put it online for anyone to hear. And, and I've really forced myself to not go in there and take down the ones that I'm not as happy with. Like the whole thing is a progression, you know, and the ones at the beginning are, you know, it's, it's the beginning of, of something that was still very much in its rough stages. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, some of them are like six minutes. Some of them I think are like half an hour. And it's just a lot of times it was me, you know, I'd wake up in the middle of the night had music in my head and would just go sit at the piano in the dark and, okay. and hit record. And when, you know, when it was over, it was over. And I'd be like, okay, great. Now I can sleep. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so it's like part, part self-help, uh, part uh, insomnia cure, part like desire to, uh, to push myself into something new musically and creatively. I think it's fresh to me because, and, and I embrace it just because it is not, a studio production. It is very much just woman, piano, hit record, go. There's something about that. And there's a risk that's involved with it that I think is exciting and makes you feel good. And sometimes I feel like things are so overproduced now that you lose that energy. And doing something like this, you feel the energy. And I I just want to say I'm going to recommend to anybody listening to go out and find those hidden little gems <laughs> and check it out because I think it's well worth it to just see that part of what Holly's creating. Yeah, and you, you hit the nail on the head. Like, it is meant to be a risk, and it is meant to be an antidote to the, you know, super pre-planned, processed, sculpted, made perfect that is in so many facets of our lives at this point, you know? And I, I really wanted to steer away from that and force myself to do the polar opposite. Well, I applaud you for it. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so are we ready for a couple of fan questions? Sure. All right, we're going to knock them out here. The first fan question comes from Wright, who lives in Maryland, and he says, you perform a note-for-note version of Eyes of the World from the Freedom Hall Kentucky 1974 show. Why is that song and rendition so special for you? So when I did that one, I knew that I was going to do a jam transcription of some Eyes of the World. I wasn't sure which one. And uh, I hit up one of my friends. It's like, he's beyond a deadhead. He's like written a book. And it's just like, he's like a walking encyclopedia, you know? So I was like, top 10 eyes, go, you know? And I think that one was like third on the list. And I just stopped at the end of it and was like, oh yeah, this is definitely the one. Um, It just, a lot of the eyes in that era, um, when they had, you know, the, the section in the middle that they dropped later, it just has this really beautiful um, and also jarring uh, dichotomy between these beautiful soaring major key lines and, and, and just like explosions of joy. And then these super dissonant, tense, uh, sections and uh, a lot of percussive stuff. And it just, it's just this awesome light and dark 
you know? And I love that. Anytime you can do those sudden shifts like that, it just, it really grabbed me. Excellent. <laughs> clearly, clearly. Uh, second fan question comes from Lisa in Pennsylvania, and she asks, how does playing solo compare with playing with Ghostlight? Ooh, good question. So the thing that I love most about both of these things is that I, I get these musical opportunities where there is a lot of room for doing something different every night and not going by a playbook and... Um, getting to go out on a limb and try to pull something out of the ether musically. Um, when I'm playing solo, all of that is on me, which is both a blessing and a curse. I can do whatever I want. I can turn on a dime. I can decide to just stop and change the key or change time signatures or introduce a new theme and build on it. And, and I mean, I have total freedom, right? right? Um, that's also a lot of responsibility, you know, if I'm having an off night, there is no one to cover me. Or if I stumble, there's no one to like pick it up and, you know, run with the baton for a minute and then hand it back when the time is right. Um, so it's very freeing. And also uh, just it just takes an insane amount of concentration for, you know, usually around three solid hours of music. So um, it's a thing. <laughs> it's, it's an endurance test. <laughs> it is. And then, so the, the cool thing about Ghostlight is that we do a lot of that stuff too. And, you know, I lose a little bit of the freedom because you, you can't, it's not a dictatorship, right? Like you can't just decide to do something and turn left and accelerate, right? Like you're steering a bigger ship as a five-piece band. So, you, you know, you can start to signal I'm turning left and like when everyone else is ready, then you go. Um, but at the same time, like when I'm playing solo, I am because all of this grew out of me trying to uh, sort of frame the music of these larger bands, and I mean larger in terms of like more musicians on stage, right? Trying to recreate that on a single instrument. So I'm hearing these much larger soundscapes and, and musical landscapes in my head and trying to like paint around the corners and build this thing out. Um, and you know, that's, that's a lot to do on a piano. Ghostlight, I, you know, we get to actually do that together, right? Like you can throw out an idea and all of a sudden there's four other musicians backing you up and like throwing fuel on the fire, which is just really cool. You know, when that clicks and everyone is together on the same idea, it's just a bigger, it's, it's a, I don't know. It's a bigger roller coaster ride, you know? <laughs> and, I, and I think athletes call it being in the zone where it's just everything else kind of slows down and it's just you and your bandmates and what's happening in the moment. It's just in that moment. Absolutely. It's like a, I, I'm terrible at uh, meditating, it turns out. <laughs> but I hear that is what it's like, you know, when everything else falls away. And that's the same feeling that um, I've chased seeing live music. You know, it's the reason I saw as many fish shows as I did is like trying to find that moment where you're completely absorbed in it and you're not yourself. You're part of this other thing, you know, the bigger thing. Exactly. Okay. So we have another fan question. We actually have two more, um, again from Pennsylvania. In addition to your solo career and with Ghostlight, you have sat in with many other bands, which guest sit in is the most memorable and why? Uh, I had the opportunity to play with both Bill Lash and Bob Weir on the same stage. And that was just a moment. Oh. I mean, have, I'd played with both of them previously, but playing with, you know, two members of a band that's had uh, that much influence on me personally and was that big of a part of my life growing up. 
and also really gave birth to the entire scene that has allowed me to have a career in music. It's just like, it's, it's such a huge part of so many different strands of my life. So, you know, sitting on stage with the two of them um, and just sensing the chemistry between two people that have played music together for that many years, is, it, was, uh, it was special. And when and where did that happen? It was a festival called Sound Summit uh, out in the Bay Area. It's actually on Mount Tam, which is like in a park, and it's gorgeous. As someone that lives in San Francisco, it's a pretty special place to play. The stage is there, and it's like a natural amphitheater that everyone sits in, and you're looking out over the hills as the fog kind of rolls in and blankets everything, and it's it's just a magical place, and it was a, uh, it was a moment. <laughs> Sounds amazing. All right, so our last one is a very, very important question. Are you ready? I, I don't know. I'm a little scared now. <laughs> well, a number of people asked it, so I can't attribute it to just one person. So we're just going to throw it out there. Where did you get the hat that you wear on stage, <laughs> and is there a story behind it? Um, well, I don't, I don't feel like I can divulge my sources. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't know the hat. That's funny. People have made such a big thing out of it. Were you not expecting that at all? No. I just think it's funny. People fixate on it. I started wearing it because, honestly, it, it like kept my hair out of my face and just made it so I, didn't, I wasn't going to be distracted by anything. You know, I'm a bit, big fan of, I don't really go for uh, flashy style on stage. Like my ideal uh, outfit and hairstyle and everything else is just like whatever is going to knock it in the way of me connecting with my instrument and with what I'm trying to do creatively, you know? Like, I just, I don't care about that stuff. So, so the hat's but, almost like a little but, bit of armor. But, but then once the hat was there, then it became like a, like a security blanket, you know? Yeah. Like, I kind of have to have it. I can't tell you the last time I played a show without it on my head. In fact, the airline lost my bag with my hat in it one time at the start of a tour, and I... I was like, what do I do? What if it's like Samson's hair, you know? And now I like go out there and I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I can't play. I can't play. <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. You now have the story about the hat. And before we sign off, I did want to let you know that I brought a little gift for you. Ooh. I know. It's kind of like a little mini coffee book, like coffee book, oh. coffee table book. Am I saying this right? Seduced by Sound. And it's a oral storybook about the different artists from Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. And so you get to learn a little bit about them and take it on the road and have something to read. Super cool. This is great because tonight is actually my first time ever playing in Austin or even being here. So I appreciate the introduction. Wonderful. Well, you're welcome. And everybody, thank you so much for joining us today with, I'm here again with Holly Bowling, and uh, she's performing tonight with Ghost Light here in Austin, Texas. We're hanging out at Antone's, the home of the blues, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time on Backstage Chats with Women in Music. And remember, we interview these ladies and chat with these ladies because they remind us to be dreamers, to be rule breakers, and that we are all rock stars. Hit the subscribe button and never miss an episode of Backstage Chats with Women in Music. This podcast is a production of the Backstage Chats Foundation, a nonprofit that is on a mission to eliminate gender disparity in the music industry by amplifying the voices and careers of women in music. You can make a difference by donating to the cause. Visit backstagechats.com and click the donate button today. This episode was produced by Allison Holly.